The Gospel according to Mark chapter 6. King Herod heard of this, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests, and the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? Her mother replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately the girl rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I love the Olympics. Of all the losses we have endured over the past year, Postponing the Olympics was relatively minor, but I still missed it because I love watching the Olympics. Summer or winter games, doesn't matter. I love seeing what people can do. I will never watch Simone Biles without my jaw hanging open. I love the capacity people have to push themselves to achieve what the rest of us think is impossible. At least a dozen times during the Olympics, there will be background stories of some of the athletes and how they overcame obstacles and resistance and injury and loss on their way to the games. And I will cry every time. And this isn't just about American athletes. It is so joyful to watch people from all over the globe. We run to find a map so we can put our finger on their hometown seeing the sheer love of sport and the beautiful diversity of humanity in one place. I love the Olympics. Also, at least a dozen times during the Olympics, sitting on the couch, I will think to myself, I really should exercise more. I saw someplace a suggestion that every Olympic event should include a, quote, regular person competing alongside the athletes just to remind us all that no matter who wins the medals, every single athlete we are watching is amazing. 
As a kid, I used to dream about being a gymnast like Mary Lou Retton or a figure skater like Christy Yamaguchi. I would twirl and jump in the rec room downstairs, imagining the moment when I stuck that perfect landing or exactly hit my triple toe loop on the ice. Mostly, I like to imagine being on the gold medal stand and leaning over to receive my prize. But the Olympic ship has sailed, and at 48 years old, I am not on it. Maybe because I was not particularly a naturally gifted athlete, but also because I didn't put in the work. I could hear the joy of the crowds. I could see the capacity of the athletes. I could imagine what was possible, but I didn't do anything about it. Between my Olympic fantasy and the reality of sports, was a gap the size of the Grand Canyon, and I never crossed it. I never even tried. Now, I bring all of this up, not just because the Olympics are around the corner, but because today's gospel story is also about that gap between hearing, seeing, and doing. Although that's kind of where the Olympics metaphor ends, because the setting of this story is quite different. Last Sunday, we told the story of Jesus arriving in his hometown of Nazareth, only to be quickly misunderstood and rejected. Because the people who knew Jesus as a child thought they knew everything about him, and they couldn't see that he was a lot more than they imagined. In response, Jesus sends the disciples out to join in the work he's been doing, to widen the circle of people who are healing and feeding and teaching and releasing folks from whatever is harming them. So now, all of a sudden, it's not only Jesus who is proclaiming and embodying the kingdom of God. That kingdom is on the loose in these disciples, too. Word about all of that spreads all the way to King Herod. And his immediate reaction is fear. He's worried that John the Baptist, whose death he recently ordered, has somehow returned, if not in body, then in spirit. And then, in a sort of flashback, we get the story about how John was executed at Herod's command. Now, hidden in this kind of gruesome story is a small but important detail. It says that when John spoke to Herod, Herod was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. To be clear, John is criticizing Herod, calling him out for a marriage that is both morally and politically problematic at best. Although we don't know much about what more John might have been saying to Herod, it's fair to say that John was known for being direct and honest and unafraid to speak truth to power. Herod responds by having John arrested and thrown into prison, figuring that will keep him silent. But Herod fears and protects John. The story says he believes John to be a holy and righteous man. Although John is criticizing him, Herod can't turn away. He is willing to listen to the truth. But then what? 
Have you ever had that experience? Hearing a truth, even a harsh or painful one, a truth that leaves you stunned at how accurate it is, even though you hardly want to admit it? That kind of truth can be freeing. Maybe somebody names a specific way in which you have hurt them or let them down and you realize that they're right. And it's almost a relief to hear it put so clearly. Or maybe you are reading or hearing something that helps you understand your own role in larger systems of harm. The way many have begun to understand the realities of white privilege and systemic racism. It's not a personal attack but a revealing of a whole set of experiences and struggles that those of us who are white have not had to wrestle with. Your eyes and ears begin to open to all of this, and sometimes it might leave you wanting to defend or distance yourself, but deep down, you know it's true. It's perplexing, and yet you want to listen. Or how about this? How did you feel during our extreme heat wave a few weeks ago? Besides very, very hot. Did it feel frightening? Almost apocalyptic? Keeping in mind that the word apocalypse doesn't mean some dramatic end of the world as we know it, but it means to reveal or uncover. An apocalypse is something that tells us or shows us a truth that has always been there in a way that makes it impossible for us to ignore. Like how it's pretty hard to say that climate change is not a real problem when it's 120 degrees in Seattle in June. Now what that means for us is perplexing, but perhaps we are long past time beginning to listen. Chances are you and I are never going to be involved in beheading anybody, but don't let the strangeness of the story keep you at a distance from it. Because at its heart, this is a story about that canyon-sized gap between hearing the truth and doing something about it. About going as far as a willingness to listen, even to a criticism, a harsh reality, a perplexing but honest word, but not far enough to let it change you. This is a story about the cost of that gap and what it might take to get to the other side. Now, Herod doesn't get there. When given the opportunity, a well-timed birthday party he throws for himself, Herod backs himself into a corner and can't see a way out. Even though he's the most powerful person in the room, no one there can really argue with him if he changes the rules at the last minute. Even though he has every opportunity to stop the momentum and refuse the demands of his wife and stepdaughter, he's in charge, he doesn't. Debbie Thomas puts it like this, when the rubber hits the road and the time comes to make a decision, right over wrong, humility over power, integrity over compromise, truth over lies. The time comes to care more about saving a life than saving face. When push comes to shove, Herod, Herod's casual, casual fascination with the truth isn't enough. 
He remains a hearer of the good news, but not a doer. How different would the story be if Herod passed this test, but he doesn't. Instead, Herod sits on the metaphorical couch and thinks about how he should probably get more exercise. He reads the books about anti-racism and even thinks they're true and right and accurate, but moves forward with his life as if nothing has changed. He watches the news reports about heat waves and extended fire seasons and flood warnings and hurricanes more powerful than we've ever known, and he shrugs and turns up his air conditioning and promises that he'll try to recycle more often. He stands at the edge, the very edge of that gap, that canyon between hearing a truth and living into it, and he takes a deep breath, and he backs away. I do not care for the experience of comparing myself to Herod. It's painful, but I know it's true. I know what it's like to hear the truth and not act on it, to hear how I have failed and get defensive, to realize my part in the injustices of the world and throw up my hands because it's too complicated to address, to stand in the heat and the sun and watch my ferns die before my eyes and weep at the work ahead of us that will be necessary to stem the tide of the damage we have done to this beautiful earth. I bet I'm not the only one who has stood at the edge of that canyon and felt close to despair at how far the distance is to who we might become and give in to my fear that it's maybe not possible. Because I'm pretty sure that if I take a step off that cliff, the fall will kill me. And here's the deepest truth. It will. It was because Herod could not let his ideas of power and reputation and saving face die. Because he worried, rightly, that he would no longer be himself if he jumped into the canyon. And because of that, John died instead. This story is unflinchingly honest about the price paid when we hear the truth but do nothing. People die. Relationships end. Injustices march on. Climate change worsens. People die. And buried under that truth is the beautiful one, that the God we meet in Jesus is all about resurrecting the dead changing our grieving into dancing and our fears into joy. For if Herod had let the truth kill his ambition and his reputation and his carefully built facade of power and authority, what would have happened? John could have lived. Herod could have lived, really lived, into who God created him to be. And what might have happened to a corrupt political system and an oppressive empire how much smaller might that canyon between how it is and how it could be have become if only Herod had died to his worst instincts instead of using them to kill the messenger. Today's story ends with a burial and a tomb. But then, 
We know another story that ended that way too. Another truth teller who was unjustly executed. Another problematic prophet whose reputation for troubling the waters landed him in the grave. And that wasn't the end of the story, was it? It turned out to be just the beginning. Because as that risen one has told us, it is the truth that will set you free. The gap between where we are and the future God has envisioned for us is not as wide as we might think. And Christ is here with us, giving us the hope we need. So, my friends, you might as well take the leap. Amen.